Hey guys, and welcome to Ready Yeti's Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delavono, and on this episode, our 240th episode, I'm sitting down with Colleen Cavanaugh, founder of Zigo Foods. Zigo Foods is a healthy food company making delicious, high-quality foods and snacks, but that really only scratches the surface of what they really are. They are at the forefront of a food health standards revolution, and they're leading the way to ensure that people are getting the cleanest and safest foods possible. Buckle up, everybody, because we're about to take a peek behind the curtain of food standards. Colleen has been working in the food and health industry for her entire career, starting on the policy level. Throughout her years of experience, she realized that there was a serious disconnect between how healthy food is produced and the standards designed to ensure they were high quality. She slowly went deeper into the industry until she decided to create a vehicle for change, Zigo Foods. With Zigo Foods, she's in the driver's seat and blazing the trail for food standards and transparency in a very serious way. Zigo Foods is extremely open about everything that they test for, and they actually have QR codes, you know, those little codes you can point your camera at. They have QR codes on every product and show you exactly what they test for and what their findings are. In other words, when you look at the nutritional facts on a product, this would be something that you'd also be looking up, thinking about things that you wouldn't normally think of, like heavy metals, pesticides. You really don't know where the ingredients of the foods you're eating are coming from, and Ziga Foods gives you the agency to understand that better and actually know. This issue of lack of transparency with the food safety standards is what drives Zigo Foods. And although they definitely do make some tasty and highly nutritious products, they are way more of a catalyst for change than simply a snack brand. In this episode of Ready Yeti Built on Passion, Colleen Cavanaugh shares the truth behind food quality standards and how Zigo Foods is about to change what it means to make healthy food. It was an absolute pleasure to sit down with Colleen, and I hope you guys enjoy our 240th episode featuring Zigo Foods founder, Colleen Cavanaugh. In talking with you, I, I had Quaker, Quaker, Quaker oats in the pantry. And like that was that our conversation was enough for me to say, OK, I don't, I'm not going to do this anymore. So it, it does work. And the trend, like the actual transparency on your product, like using the QR codes, I'm seeing that more and more often. Like there is that level of transparency and not just in um, your category of food products. In I, there was something, another product I had. It was, it was, you know, sports drink, but even still, it's like, it's interesting, like brand, like any kind of brand is doing that. Um, so I think that like, this is like, this is it. For sure. Yeah. And I, I, the, the, with the QR codes, one of the things that we want to do is instruct other companies or be a good example of how to use them. So mm-hmm. I always joke that, um, you know, there are some brands that will say, oh, scan this QR code and meet your farmer. Like, okay, number one, I don't know that that's really my farmer. And I don't know if he's an asshole. Yeah, he could be a really like, mean person. <laughs> right? He has a really beautiful farm. Where are the weeds? Like, how do you get rid of the weeds? Yeah. You know, like, that's what I want to know. That's why we do the testing, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I am a, the type of person who looks at ingredients. Um, and that, I mean, to that end, that makes it that much easier. When, if you are going to look at the ingredients, you can kind of go beyond and say, okay, well, what does this mean? Yeah. Plus, like, just QR codes as a concept, it's it's still new to me. I haven't been used it consistently. It is awesome. You just point your camera at a thing and then click and you go straight to the website. Yeah. And people are so much more used to using them because of COVID. Mm. Like, everybody's using QR codes now. Yeah. Um, so it, that makes it easier for manufacturers because it used to be that people didn't want to invest the money to change their packaging to put the QR code on there because nobody used them. Yeah. But we definitely yeah. see an increase with COVID. I, the, I think the coolest... Um, thing that i've seen that a few different um places did but it was a like a restaurant's menu yeah and i just thought that like oh that like this is it this is this thing is going to be everywhere now yeah exactly well 
I get, I mean, we're in it now. Colleen, thanks for <laughs> joining me today. Thanks for having me, Matthew. Absolutely happy to. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. Um, ever since we first started talking and you kind of pointed out and said, oh, you know, here's like the truth. You kind of. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of insider info because I I have a, a deep vertical experience in food. I mean, it's quite narrow, but it's very deep since I've worked both from politics to nonprofit to actually owning my own food company. Um, I have a lot of insights and I love sharing that information because it's crazy what we don't know about our food system and how important it is. And it explains a lot why we have this basic American diet, which is the only unhealthy diet pretty much in the world. Wow. Um, that that's a, that's a big concept in and of itself. Um, how, so did one path lead you to another? Did you kind of know that this is where you were headed? Were you in the same sphere category? Yeah. So it, I definitely had a focus from the start, but it evolved. So my focus on food started with me getting diagnosed as a teenager um, for celiac disease. So I was old enough when I started seeing symptoms to when I was discovered what I had. So that took about nine years that I saw how my body fell apart, my focus fell apart, my socialization fell apart. And then lo and behold, they um, diagnosed me when I was 15. And within six months, I was well-nourished, happy, doing well in school, all that. So I, I had a very strong lesson in the importance of nourishment uh, in order to be your best self, but also what is proper nourishment? The food that I was eating, not that I was like an un unusually healthy teenager, but the food that I was eating should not have been making me sick, right? To the point where I was breaking bones and, and all that. I thought I was eating healthfully. So, and, and it's not that I didn't have, we, we were a nice middle-class lifestyle. We had money to buy food, right? It wasn't that. So whether you're, the reason that you're not nourishing your body properly is because you have a disease like celiac disease or you're impoverished or you're just eating the wrong food. Like you were raised on the basic American diet and it's really hard to break that. It doesn't matter to me. Our job is to uh, give you peace of mind that your diet is nourishing you and the world, because when you're well-nourished, you make better choices and your better choices are bad, better for all of our community. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, not that we specifically touch base on it, but Colleen Kavanaugh, you are the founder of Zigo Foods. What is Zigo Foods? So Zigo is a platform brand, meaning that we are in multiple categories across the grocery store. Um, and we provide purity verified food that has been tested for over 400 different toxins and verified to meet our standards. All of our food meets most of the needs of all, your special diet. So whether you have a top allergy, you have celiac disease, um, a number of other things, we have products that work for Crohn's disease, diabetes. We really want to have beautiful, nourishing food that is accessible to all people. Um, Except for the keto folks, we're not so, we, we don't dive too much into keto. So you can't, you literally cannot cover every diet. So that's the one that yeah. because we do have some grains and things like that. So that's where it, I guess it all comes together. Man, that's, that's crazy. I do have so many questions. <laughs> we can always talk more later. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing, like what you're trying to do opens up just so much because you're, you're really going for a base product in nutrition. I mean, oats are foundational for a lot of different things. I mean, in breakfast and even beyond that, you guys have uh, plant protein products and even having I plant protein has uh, covers nine amino acids that in and of itself is kind of mind blowing because there's not a lot of plant proteins that do that. Right. And it has the most bal balanced amino acid profile in all of the protein family. Yeah. It, it really blows the others. The other great thing about that product is that it's not an isolate. So we don't use chemicals or enzymes, which is what the other companies have to use to create their protein isolates. All we do is we literally take the sacha inchi seed, which looks about like an almond. We squeeze it to get out the oil and then we lightly roast it and grind it. That's it. So it's considered a whole food protein, which means that it digests easier because it digests a little bit slower because it has some of those natural nutrients still attached to it. And you end up absorbing between 20 and 40% more than isolate proteins when you're eating it. Wow, man, that, okay. So let, just to back up a little bit, when uh, you, you started 
Um, I'm already feel like I'm jumping all over the place. Um, This is what I was saying offline. There's so much to say, so much to share. You started with that personal experience. I would imagine ending up in, that's kind of how your um, career progressed, kind of based on nutrition. Yeah, it is. So I decided to go the political route because I wanted to affect the greatest number of people that I could. And I thought, well, that's the leverage point, right? Let's get involved. So I I ran to Washington, D.C. after college, started working for a congressman um, who worked on school lunch, school breakfast, WIC, food stamps. So that was a great place uh, because I was really focused on improving nutrition for low-income kids. Um, Changing policies to make those programs healthier seemed like the logical place to do it. And I did it for quite a long time, both working for him and working in nonprofit. But as we uh, went through the process, I learned two things. One is that it's really scary when the government says nutrition policy because they get it wrong and then everybody's like unhealthy for decades. So I was there when the whole low fat diet was a fad and we actually put it into law. I mean, we put it into law in the school lunch program. So we took that, you know, nutrition is an evolving science. We're learning new things all the time and it's really dangerous to put it in law. Then the other thing was that, you know, we worked with Michelle Obama. So this is during the Obama era for three years to get new standards for snack bar foods in schools. So what you sell in high schools in the vending machine and just that we could get more whole grains, decrease the sugar. We weren't like going totally hundred percent healthy, but we were trying to get better. So once we passed that, it's like 200 people working on this bill, right? Once we passed that, I'm not kidding you, in three weeks, the first retooled product so that they could stay in the vending machines came out of Kellogg's. And it was, I kid you not, a brown Rice Krispie treat. And I like threw up my hands. I'm like, that's not what we meant. <laughs> that it's, and that was the first product. That like dyed? Out. Like just different no, color? It was, it was made out of brown rice. Oh, okay. But it was still had marshmallow. It was yeah. still... You know, Rice Krispies are not actually a piece of rice puffed up. They are, it's rice ground into a powder that is so fine. You have to wear a mask in the um, manufacturing plant, right? So you've just ground out all the fiber, all the nutrients. That's why they spray all those vitamins on it, right? Because there's no vitamins left. There's no fiber left in cereal. So they had taken an unhealthy product and then just started, they probably had started it with brown rice to be honest the whole time, because why would they bother to do white? But anyway- (laughs) Um, I, I, then I realized that there was really no way that government policy or nonprofit action could be the driver of food system change, which was what we needed. We, I could no longer think I want to help out low income kids because it's the whole food system that's toxic now. So when I went to start Zico, I wanted to solve for a couple of things. One, I wanted to find a better leverage point for doing that sort of lifelong work, um, of, of cleaning up the food system. So it's more nourishing to people and the planet. And then also this was the first wave of the allergy kids. So my son's 22 now yeah. and his age group is when we first started seeing a lo- big increase in the number of kids with really severe allergies, life-threatening allergies and celiac disease started going up too. And I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, these kids aren't being nourished by food, food. They're attacking the food. Like there's something wrong with the food. And when I looked around at the products that met all of our dietary needs, because we had celiac disease and dairy things and sugar things in our family, and then their schools went nut free, which was one of the things that we could eat. And the companies that were making food in that space, it was all cookies that taste kind of like cookies, you know, pasta that tasted kind of like pasta, uh, pirate booty, you know, it was not like the healthiest stuff. So that's why I started Zigo was those two sides. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start and make superfood products that are just good on their own because they're made from great ingredients like seeds and, um, and fruit and oats. And then when I'm in the industry providing, I wanted to give a solution, no more telling people how they should eat, right? That's what I had done for 20 years, told people how they should eat. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to hand them the thing. I'm saying, this is delicious. It's so much healthier than what you're eating. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I also wanted to, um, influence the, find out what was going on in the industry. Like, I'm going to learn something when I get inside that I didn't know. And I can't wait to see what it is. So I started this company. And in 2016, one of my advocacy friends called me and said, Hey, the Detox Project is this new nonprofit in Europe. And they're looking for the first American company to test their products for glyphosate, which is the Roundup residue. So I said, Well, yeah, I'm game for that. I don't want any toxins in my food. And I didn't even know what glyphosate was at the time. 
So I started doing research and I was like, okay, this is bad. We need to test for this. And we had only organic bars at the time. We started out as a bar company and we tested them. So they're organic. There should be no Roundup, right? That is not an organic approved pesticide or herbicide. And our apple cinnamon flavor was had Roundup residue in it. And so we looked at the component parts and it was the cinnamon. The cinnamon was chock full of glyphosate. So I started digging into it. I called the detox project. I said, you know, is this me coming up with one weird test or do I, are you? And they were like, no, 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 we're finding this in the spice industry and cinnamon in particular. They actually went to India to watch what happens in the spice industry. And they said that sometimes when they're laying out these spices on these concrete slabs to dry them in the sun, if they need to hurry it up, they just spray it with Roundup because it dries out, it desiccates the stalk so they can uh, harvest the spice faster. So you need to dry out that bark, right? Cinnamon is a bark and it has to be dried out. Well, you grow it organically, but your processor shuts the doors and you don't see it or moves it to a place where you don't see it and they just spray it. So it was so it was much higher than you would expect um, given and most any other industry except for maybe GMO soy. It was actually a little higher than you would expect with GMO soy, which is a crop created to receive lots of Roundup. So then we were like, okay, well, we have to test everything for this, right? The, obviously there's an, an issue. And I reached out to the spice company. I found we use Spicely Organic now. They've always tested well for us. We did switch because I couldn't get responsiveness from the company. We were tiny, very small company. So we can't move the needle in that way, but we can switch. So then when we started, we um, worked together with some farmers in the Pacific Northwest on a sustainability project to make our fruit bars. So we use, and this is our only conventional product. Everything else is organic. Is their conventional fruit that would normally not be able to go to market because, you know, it, it's ugly, it, you know, whatever, or, or even they just have the ugly fruit. Yeah. Or they have too much of it. So they're pear and apple farmers. So we were buying and making for them um, these fruit bars that are hundred percent fruit. That's it. All grown in the Pacific Northwest. So all the other fruit bar companies, the fruit comes from all over the world. Um, and that's why ours tastes so good because they're grown right around the corner. Um, and the, when I went to go test them for glyphosate, I was talking to the testing lab and I was like, wait a minute, let me check with my farmers. They were like, yeah, we don't really use glyphosate on our orchards. You know, if it, anything, it's these other pesticides and herbicides that they use. I was like, oh, well, that's really dishonest for me to say, hey, we're glyphosate free when there really isn't a glyphosate risk. So we started testing for this larger panel of over 400 different pesticides and herbicides that are commonly used. Some not anymore like DDT, but it can still be in the soil. Um, and that's what we do to monitor those products. And then again, like going on that learning pathway, um, I got into the heavy metal issues around protein powders and yeah, the plot thickens and chocolate in particular. And those two, and so we started testing our chocolate and our protein powder and reached out to our suppliers and said, we're going to give you standards that you have to meet or we're not going to buy from you. And so far we've been able to do that. And we're perfectly willing to run, go out of stock if we have to. We are not going to sell. Like we have a new lot of protein powder coming in. It comes from Peru. Um, I'm still waiting to find out the exact date. And I said, you know, have you tested this yet? I don't know if I can buy it. And he said, no, but I'll get you the testing. So, you know, if he comes back and he doesn't have testing, we might have to go to a stock, but I'm not going to sell you something that's, you know, got a lot of lead and cadmium in it. I can't do that. That's horrible. This is, this is like the journey through like your literal detective work, yeah. <laughs> finding like how, like, get, like your journey into like the core of the issue metaphorically and quite literally. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. There, like everybody knows on some level, there's different levels, but I feel like everyone is pretty aware that there is some sort of deceitfulness when it comes to um, what you find on a shelf. And the fact that you guys are willing to, like, let let a product go out of stock just because you can't meet the standards, like that to me is telling. Yeah, we actually deliberately have not launched our protein powder in retail because we. In retail, you can't go out of stock. You've just lost. You, you'll never get back in if you go yeah. out of stock, right? So, so we have deliberately taken that pressure off of ourselves so that we can be a kind of supplier ninjas with that. If we can't find it, that is totally fine. You know, the, the other things that we buy, there's less of a risk. With chocolate, we have more options. Sacha Inchi, Sacha Inchi protein 
is what we want to carry because it is the cream of the crop of the, I shouldn't say cream for vegan proteins, <laughs> but it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> Plant-based cream. Um, and so there aren't that many places to get it from. You can get it from um, Thailand, but Thailand has a huge toxicity problem. They have so many acres of their farmland has been desiccated by the chemicals they've been using. And they're actually mm. looking at trying to regenerate the entire country of farmland because of all the chemicals. Wow. That is that, do you think that that is like that in and of itself rehabilitating the soil? That is one of the biggest roadblocks in creating like truly toxic free food crops. Is that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, the, and that's one of the nice things about, um, there, not every company could start doing what we're doing the way we're doing it because we're growing we can work as our supply needs grow. Um, somebody who's a really big company and says, okay, I want to suddenly do this, like Cliff Bar, they buy like all the oats in the US. I, I mean, like, honestly, it's hard to buy oats in the US because Cliff Bar rides so many. It would be very hard for them to say, we're going to meet these standards because they have so many farmers to work with. Um, but what we really see is that in the long run, looking at that long-term vision, if we have consumers asking brands to, for their purity testing, and so that there's now an expectation that you can't really put a product on the shelf without giving people your testing information, then the brands are going to have to turn to their suppliers and say, hey, dude, you got to meet these purity standards because I can't meet them if you don't. And the suppliers or brands who work directly with farmers, the suppliers have to work with the farmers on how to regenerate their soil. Do they need to do some cover crops to pull out um, the heavy metals and the glyphosate, because it can be done. Um, but the farmers don't typically test to know if they have heavy metal problems. So it's, it's a bigger issue. And that's where nonprofit and government can be really helpful, right? You could have a nonprofit that offers uh, financing to help farmers do testing on their soil, or maybe they even have a kitty of money and you can apply for a grant and do it. You know, I mean, we know that certain crops like um, peas and uh, uh, cannabis, they're phytoremediators. They can be used to actually pull toxins out of the soil. That's why you have to be really careful when you eat a lot of pea protein and when you're getting your cannabis product. Interesting. They, they keep it stored. It's not something that cycles through the, okay. Exactly. So you can end up with your pea protein having a ton of heavy metals in it because it actually is cleaning it out of the soil. Is there a way to... I mean, not to even get too wildly off topic, but like in the case of uh, peas or cannabis, let's say they leach up this, um, whatever heavy metals are in the soil. Is there a way to repurpose that somehow? Could it be composted? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There. So you don't want to compost it. There's actually a system set up for this. And I don't know how many people in that industry actually use it, but I have talked to cannabis farm, uh, not farmers, processors about this. So you, you, you measure your soil, you know, especially so in California, we have really high standards for cannabis products as far as heavy metals go. So um, you, you grow, you measure your soil, you know what's in it. You put in your first crop, you pull it out and you treat it like toxic waste. So you uh, then can, and I'm not sure if they can immediately remediate that or if they, that first crop or two, they just throw out, but eventually you can pull, keep devolving that plant that you just pulled out into component parts and um, narrowing down how much of it has heavy metals in it. But eventually you've got a pocket of toxic waste that you have to get rid of. Right. And, and so you have to dispose of that. So, uh, but, but like I said, most people are not testing. And I actually kind of wonder if the cannabis industry might in California might be the first place where we start to really learn about how to do this right. And how much does it cost? And cause that's a lot of the dangers that people don't know how much it costs and they're scared they can't actually make it happen. And with Prop 65, they're liable for it if it's in there and they know about it. So it's very tricky. It's, I mean, all of this coming together, it's, I personally, I, I look at this and I, I think we're, you know, headed in this very clear direction where, you know, you are going to need to disclose this. Um, regulations are going to be more strict. Um, I mean, even starting with a company like Zigo who is being this transparent, being like, this exists, this kind of has to catch on. And I think that, you know, it's, it's nice that bigger um, companies can offer a cheaper product while they aren't involved in this, but it's going to get to the point where more and more people are going to be able to 
like I think the, the the scales are starting to tip is what I, I guess I'm getting at in terms of what people want. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right. They're getting they're coming more conscious of what's going on, and I think it's really so important for people who are aware of this to talk about yeah. it. And you know, when their friends comment on something, comment back and. Uh, on Facebook, like, oh, I found this great protein powder. And, and if you know that you happen to have just read it was on a list that had high heavy metals, like let them know, right? Because uh, we don't all have the same access to information or the same um, amount of time uh, or prioritization on information. So um, I, I think it's incumbent on those of us know to, to find positive ways to share the information. We are not here to scare anybody. That is not what we're about. We're about changing the world and inspiring changes in the food system so it nourishes you and the planet better. And that means that we start with knowledge and then we go forward with action. And we need to make uh, not one perfect decision, but a million, thousands of imperfect decisions every day. And we get just get better, right? The goal is to be better. I love this. Every day. That's To me, that's the, the recipe for real long lasting change. And I mean, not even just in nutrition, not even just in some of the context of a business. I mean, there's a lot of really strange things happening in the world and it's really easy. Yeah. I mean, not, not even to get to, to zoomed in it's, you know, as bad as things may seem sometimes, I really do think that everything that's currently a little messed up is headed at least in a direction of positivity and it's hard to be patient. Um, but I'm an optimist. Yeah. I'm an optimist. So, you know, I, that's, of course I would go there. Um, that, so, I mean, what you're saying about education, how, obviously coming on a podcast, talking in this format, helpful. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are doing quite a number of things. And of course, I would encourage anybody listening, follow us on all the social media, watch our blog. We have great insider info. I just, and even on the broader context of what's going on, I just did a special thing on um, chocolate and child slave labor in Africa during Black History Month. So um, there's all kinds of interesting things in there. So on each one of our packages, we have a QR code. And when you scan that QR code, and it explains it on the package, you can actually access all of our information in addition, on the package, we encourage customers to reach out to the brands that they love and buy from and ask them for transparency around purity testing for the products that they buy. And they can point to us and say, Zigo does it. So if they say, oh, no, that's proprietary information, which is you know, a lot of times what they'll say just because their lawyers tell them, say, well, little old Zigo does it. Like, why can't you do it? And if they start getting enough of these emails, you know, you don't have to send a snail mail anymore. Email is fine. Um, it's going to move the needle for sure. Um, I know every time I talk to a supplier, I talk to them about, you know, you know, we're going to be testing this and eventually I'm going to expect you, like if they're so big that I, I'm the victim, right? <laughs> if their testing is bad, cause they won't guarantee that like suppliers aren't going to guarantee you anything. Yeah, of course. For the most part. So sometimes, you know, I get a supply in and I go to test it. I'm like holding my breath, you know, that, that it's going to be actually organic. Um, and actually be safe for you guys to eat. Uh, but every time I talk to them, that makes a difference, right? Because they're like, oh, we had somebody asking again, or we had Zigos asking again. Um, and, and of course we do the, we do as much of this as we can, right? I'm really trying to get out there this year in particular and start talking more on podcasts um, about this issue because it's so um, not understood and the politics around it are complicated. It's all very complicated, but if you could, look at everything like it's complicated, then you never make any change, right? There's a simplistic way to look at it too. Consumers have a right to know what's in their food. If there's, if there's toxic residue in there, you have a right to know that, but actually you don't. You, you don't have the right to know that now. That's all we're trying to change. If we change that one standard in the food industry, it will be a catalyst for cleaning up the planet within 10 years. I'm not kidding you. I know that may sound like simplistic, but think about, and you're probably too young to know about this, but Back in like the late 70s, early 80s, everybody was eating butter. And then there was a big thing about butter so bad if you don't eat butter. You got to eat um, margarine, which is trans. Crisco, right? yeah. Yeah, Crisco, you got to eat, eat margarine. Oh my gosh, don't eat anything. And then of course we found out that trans fats were really, really bad for us. And then on a dime, I mean, within six months, all those companies had retooled their recipes and gone back to butter. Like 
consumer demand is the driver of change in our world. So that's what I want consumers to feel is not like devastated when they hear this information. I want them to feel empowered and emboldened because they really are powerful. There's like a danger and a, um, I guess, a, a thing of beauty when it comes to how fads work where, you know, the fads come like what basically, yeah, that the Crisco versus or the margarine versus butter argument. There's things that'll pop up where it makes sense. And it's true. I feel like this is, if this can become, and I, it's dangerous to use the word fad because that's right. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, you know, headed in the, if I'm making any sense, but I feel like if this can catch on, it'll be like wildfire when people are like, oh no, heavy metals are in like things that we wouldn't realize. It is one of those things that when I, I explain to people, I give them my little elevator pitch of what we're doing, their eyes just get big and they light up. I'm like, you're, you're right. We, we should have a right to know if there's toxic residue. <laughs> you're like, I can't believe we don't have the right to know that. Like, it just is so obvious once you say it. Um, and one of the reasons why we want to be in retail, because, you know, a lot of companies are only online mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to really build that. And uh, Truvani is doing some really good things with some, um, some testing that they're doing. They're not doing as much as we are, but uh, we didn't want to be just online. We want to be on the store shelves because the conversation for most people starts on the store shelf. I know COVID changed things a little bit, but you know, my goal is, can we have a cereal? Like, can we come up with a healthy cereal in the middle of all the frosted flakes and all that, that has this big purity verification symbol on it. And people who normally are not looking for a healthy breakfast suddenly see, let alone toxicity information, see this big sign that says purity verified. And they're like, wait, wait a minute, what's that mean? I, I don't understand. Is, are you saying that this food that I'm giving my kids is not pure? And then they start going down that learning journey, right? Yeah. They may not buy us right then, but they'll pick up the package and read it. It's finding that fine line between, um, you know, like put it like, like you have to, as, as you introduce yourself to your customer base, whoever you're looking for, um, you, you really do need to educate them. And this is something that isn't, it's, you guys are really the first people to talk about this. I'm not, I mean, I, prior to, our call, um, I don't know, maybe a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I had the same thing. My eyes widened. I didn't really realize that this is what was going on. I eat oatmeal every day. So to even understand that this is happening, you can't expect the average person to be, you know, this paying attention this closely. Yeah, no, people are busy, right? Yeah. I mean, for heaven's sakes, we've all been trying to not catch a deadly virus for the past year. Like who has time to look into how lead got into oats? But when you, when you have someone who can like give you a, little, a few pieces of information, like for example, how woodland gets in, get into oats, a lot of oats are grown on farms that are right along the side of a road. And in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we had leaded gasoline and that exhaust went out into those fields and it's still there. It doesn't, you know, lead doesn't break down in a rapid time frame. So that's why you have lead in some products that you wouldn't ever imagine you would have lead in. Yeah. You know, and that's why you have to, that's why I, I, I laugh. Like I was telling you before, like, I, I don't want to see a picture of your farm. I actually want to see the testing showing me that it's safe because looking at your beautiful plants, I can't tell if there's lead in your soil. Yeah. You don't know if there's cadmium in that. And at that point, you know what a farm looks like. You've yes. seen, you see one, you see them all. Tell me something interesting. <laughs> Especially for oats. <laughs> yeah. Amber waves of grain. I know the song. Oh man. Yeah, I, I think our oats, though, are a really good example of how companies can be very intentional about every aspect of their product, even with something as simple as oats. I mean, I've seen so many, uh, I read a lot of oat packages, right? Because my yeah. life is very exciting. <laughs> and um, they'll say, you know, these are a blank slate for you to create on. I'm like, oh, oats should not be a blank slate. That's the main part of your meal. Like this. <laughs> Oats should be your powerhouse, right? And then you accentuate it with other things. Like that's the main part of the painting. And then you come in with the fun extra colors that you put in and stuff, but it's your base. So when, when COVID hit, we actually had to think about like testing costs a lot of money, right? And the bar category was hit hard with COVID, like 50% of sales gone in one day. People aren't just picking it up when they're at the store. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's on the go anymore. Right. So the bar category has really been devastated this last year, but luckily we have these pantry items also. Right. So we had something to, to work on. So we had a meeting. We were like, 
does like we got to look at places to cut costs do we slow down on testing or do something different and we decided that with uh the answer was no um but we because we do a risk assessment to see uh how risky is it like we're top 12 allergy free facility we've been buying from the same suppliers for years so we'll if we in a day we make three different things we'll put those in the same test for allergens because there's the risk is very very low and we put that on our website people know that um, but with our oats, we said, you know what? We actually need to plus up on this. We need to test more because we have all these reports about oats and things not being healthy in them. So we now test for aflatoxins, um, which can, it's a fungus that can make you very, very sick. And it's actually tied to outbreaks of deaths in communities. You can look this up because it's so toxic. It's in peanuts and grains and it's, it should, you don't, you can get it without, but it depends on how they stored it. Right. So what did the farmer do? How soon did it rain before they harvested? How did they store it? Did they care for it? Um, and so we tested for our, our suppliers, our farmers told us they were testing for aflatoxins. They're like, we're going to test again, just in case. Looked great. We test for um, uh, anti-nutrients. So phytic acid, phytate, because they can interfere with your absorption of minerals and can really upset your stomach. We want this to be something that celiacs can eat and their stomachs are going to be happy. You know, people who are having really bad digestive problems, we want them to have this be a soothing food for them, kind of a go-to. So we don't want things like that in there. And our oats are actually raw. So um, most oats are not raw. They look raw, but they're not. So uh, oats have a hull typically that you have to steam to get it off. So they're cooked once. And then they may be steamed again to roll out. So they may be pre-cooked twice before you get them. And that's not even quick cooking oats. Quick cooking oats are actually cooked again. Um, so that's why you have this anti-nutrient overgrowth because the enzymes have been broken by that heat process. That's why their protein is low because the protein is damaged when it's heated. So that, <laughs> it's like too many details. Let me give you a chart. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, I, I'm glad that we had, I'm glad that you were able to kind of run me through that. The first time we spoke, I I'm glad I'm getting the, this you know, the second kind of reinforcement, this is the crazy thing. It's, it's, it's almost like at a point your, your product is really high quality, you know, foods, I guess, base foods, oats, protein powder, you know, bar snack bars, things like that. But it, at a point, since there's not anyone really doing this kind of thing, you're more like an informational resource. And it's, it's like, that's, you know, it's going to be the hub to expand this, especially if not, you know, no one's, no one has this kind of transparent uh, transparency, this level. So it's just, it's interesting how that exists. I mean, in the outreach, it, it it's crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to, to stop you in the middle of the process. I'm, I'm like hanging on my seat. <laughs> That's it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Like the level of, there are so many different aspects of the production of just oats alone right. and things where there could be a dangerous element introduced, a dangerous chemical, heavy yeah. metal, a process that um, I guess harms the nutritional value of the oats itself. And there's all these companies that are just bypassing every, not even focusing on one of them, but just bypassing literally every avenue for, you know, just downfall. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's really having intention around every stage of the process. Um, to right down to the seed, the seed that our farmers grow, they re, they collect every year so that they can get more and more gluten-free purity. The the um, oats actually grow, the hull is really loose. They're called hullless oats. So they fall off when they harvest them. So the hulls go back into the soil to nourish the soil. That's why we don't have to seam them to take off the hulls because they've already fallen off. And then they choose to cold press them. So that's a deliberate choice that they and we make is that we are going to cold press them into flakes. So basically just smashing them with like a big iron <laughs> and it turns into that flake. But then you have 30% more fiber than most other oats. You have almost double the protein of other oats. You don't have any of these, uh, the phytic acid, the phytate um, and no aflatoxins. Uh, and plus we test it for paraquat, which is another chemical that a lot of people don't know about, but they use it to induce Parkinson's in rats. Oh my God. Yeah. The research is that they think that some of this big rise that we're having in these brain diseases in the elderly is actually paraquat um, that has built up in their brain over time and cause these protein problems in their brain. And then you're, you end up losing, using uh, less water because you're not steaming. You're not actually cooking the oats. 
Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I mean, it, it's that to me, I guess that's more of a cherry on top, but. Yes, that would be. If we're going to stick with that food analogy, you know, it'll be the cherry on top. You know, it, it's one thing that I, it, there's even still, again, there's just like, it's like such like a big, big category. It's hard to kind of pick and choose what I'm, what car I want to chase to ask. Yeah, I know. Well, we can, let's, let's stick with water for a little bit and just talk about like how we think of water. So one of the reasons that we're seed-based is not, as opposed to nut-based is not just allergens because seeds take such less water to grow. The, the environmental footprint of seeds is so much smaller. Um, so, so that we, we have a nut-free trail mix that has, we call it mix-ins and we designed it so that you could not only use it as just like a snack on the trail, literally, you can put the cranberry one on a salmon salad with spinach. It's utterly delicious. You know, the apple cinnamon one mixed in with your oatmeal is amazing. And the chocolate chip one I like for dinner sometimes when I'm on the road. <laughs> I, I went home the other weekend and I brought home the cranberry mixins um, just to, to snack on. And then I, I saw my parents and I was telling my mom, I was like, hey, like I, you know, you shouldn't just buy any oats, there's a lot of really messed up things happening in the food that you're probably buying. Try to check out Zigo Foods, actually, you know, buy something good quality. She tried the the mixins and she was like, oh my God, this is great. I'm always going to have this. This is the best thing ever. So I love it. Yeah. You got, you got one more, one more customer. That's That's awesome. It is unreasonably good. And it was a risk (laughs) for us because we decided not to add sodium which is a huge thing in trail mix. Um, and it's what it kind of makes it addicting, right? Cause you've got the sweetness and the salt and all that, but we really felt like that was, we did not want to make products that continue to feed unhealthy habits that America's kind of built on yeah. in this industry of sugar, fat, salt added in and flavors and, and all that stuff. That's it. You're poised. You're in a better position because like I, I have a, a salt, a salt issue. I, I eat too much salt. I, even when I cook, I cook a lot. I really, really try to scale back the salt. I think that our diets and I mean like the Royal hour, like the human beings, specifically Americans diets have been so awful for so long that all these health issues we're seeing are popping up and it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, all the food producers have been trying to do the most efficient thing the cheapest way. And if right. you stick with that, you're digging yourself in a hole. Yeah, it's true. And uh, and if you buy that way, then you're also continuing the industry, right? Because you're the consumer creating the demand. And, yeah, we, uh, you know, of course, there are people who are literally, you know, scraping together enough money to buy their food right? They can't afford to buy our oats. Um, but for the people who can, who can, or can reprioritize, you know, I mean, when I think about like how much you spend on your Starbucks latte in the morning, right? You could, you could get a bag of my oats and, and eat a great breakfast for a week off of what you just spent on your Starbucks. So there's some trade-offs here. And I, and I do think because of COVID, well, I know, actually, I've seen some data recently that uh, of people who used to buy their food, um, what they and they didn't think about health when they bought their food. Fifty-four percent now say that because of COVID, they are choosing foods in order to stay healthier. Fifty-four percent, like that's crazy, right? That's awesome. That makes me so happy. That, like, what else? We would never want COVID. I am not saying that that was a good thing at all. Let's look for some silver linings. That is a huge silver lining. That would have taken a decade of public service announcements, you know, if it ever would happen. I, I was just chatting with a friend earlier this morning. We were talking about that, just people's attitudes towards food and how it's, you know, of course, food is this reward. It's like the grand reward. At the same time, it's fuel. And it's a cliche to say, I almost hate to say it because of it, but you are what you eat. And if you're not careful of what you're putting in your body, like something like, um, what is it? Ar- it's either arsenic, cyanide, maybe both, but those are compounding chemicals. So when you ingest them, they don't necessarily leave your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and arsenic's a huge problem. Um, the, you, there was a, another report. I mean, there've been every couple of years, we get another slew of these reports of arsenic in baby food and it's in the rice, it's in the juice um, and in sweet potatoes. Uh, and that's a lot of what's in what people feed their babies, right? 
and they're getting really high levels. And these companies knew about it the whole time. They, they had the testing data. They had the congressional, it was a congressional report that came out um, from, I can't remember which subcommittee, but they actually had the testing data from the companies. The companies had sent it to them, like good for them that they fessed up and, and gave their testing data. But their standards for arsenic were like in the thousands where it should be in like under a hundred. Yeah, it should I mean, be it was, zero. Well, zero, yeah, it's a naturally occurring element. So getting to zero is 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 rough. Yeah. And as and some products like chocolate where they're grown in areas of the country where there's been mining runoff. And a lot of times we're talking about minimizing on, on that. Life is a, uh, is a little bit easier to say we're looking for no measurable amount, but even that, like it kind of, it goes through the air, it's in the water, it's, you know. Um, so we try to be really honest with our consumers um, about that, that we are, we are purity verifying and we are testing to find the cleanest products for you. That doesn't mean that we can always guarantee you that there's going to be zero. You can't guarantee zero of anything, right? It's impossible in math to prove that you don't have something. You have to prove that you do have something. So um, all of the testing is looking at a certain, it can start picking up. This gets really detailed, sorry. Uh, they, they start picking up the presence of something when you hit maybe 10 parts per billion or more. Um, sometimes it's maybe two parts per million. It depends on the how the test works. So we're looking for things that have no measurable amount, but with things, when it comes to things like heavy metals, well, let me back up a little bit. With allergens, we absolutely look for no measurable amount. And if we ever found it, we would never release it. So that's number one. Allergens can kill somebody the minute they eat it, right? So that's a totally different issue. Um, we can give you allergy safe products. When it comes to something like uh, lead, cadmium, arsenic, and mercury, we know that of those four, our tests are going to be positive in at least two of those because they're naturally occurring elements in the soil. The question is, is it beyond what was naturally there? Um, and then you look at, after you look at how much is in there, you look at how much is a serving size for my customer? What if they ate twice that much? What if they surprised me they ate three times that much? Um, and so it's, there's really an art of care in looking at this stuff. And that's why we're kind of happy that Zigo is the first company to do this because we are so intentional. You know, we're certified B Corp. We are trying to do this right so that when the other rest of the industry catches on and starts doing it too, we'll have set the standard on how to do it. And we're always open to doing better. So if people have suggestions for us, we love it. We have a proposed purity panel, um, like a nutrition panel on the back of your all your food. We're proposing a purity panel. And we've put that on our website. We haven't launched it yet. We just want to get feedback from people. Like, it, does this make sense to you? Like this is really complicated stuff and the measurements and each type of toxin are different. Sometimes they're based on weight, sometimes they're not. Like it's really complicated to summarize that into a panel, but that seems to be what would resonate most with people, right? They wouldn't have to scan a QR code, right? They wouldn't have to read through. Some of our testing reports are like five pages long, you know, and, and that, that's really hard to expect a consumer to do, right? They don't have that time. So a purity panel would, I think, really go a long way. So COVID set us back on that. We were going to launch it on a cereal, actually, that we were working on with Lotus Foods. Um, and so we did not. But, you know, maybe a year from now, we might be to where we can do it again. This is huge. Everything you're doing. No, I, it, it, in a lot of different ways. I mean, transparency alone. Oh, you got it? Yeah, I got the purity panel here. Oh my God. So it's also on our website. So if you go, um, I hope the people on podcast will go to zigofoods.com and go to the purity section. And you'll see that we have this panel on there when you scroll down and it's what we're proposing that is on the package. So it has both heavy metals and um, uh, regular pesticides, herbicides, and then the allergens and gluten as well in three different sections. Would you Would you be able to... I don't know if this would be a Zego thing or even something that you as an individual would do, but could that be something proposed that is as much of a necessity as nutritional facts on products? That's the goal. Yeah. So just like you wouldn't buy something without having a nutrition panel on there, you wouldn't buy it without, even more so, you wouldn't buy it without seeing the toxicity yeah. test reports. Or like the ingredient list or, you know, it basically goes along with all that. Right, right. And, and like you wouldn't, even, if you just had a few of these companies, right. And so I, I feel like there's this number six, if we get six companies to do what Zigo's doing, then that actually is going to be a thing. 
right? Then we're a thing. So um, if we have this on some products on the shelf, then people can say, oh, well, if this panel isn't on the product, then I know that I better beware in buying because the company wasn't willing to share their data with me. And who knows what could be in it. And I know a lot of people are looking at the Prop 65 in California is very confusing for people. Um, and they there's an impression that Prop 65 gives you that if a company has a Prop 65 warning label and the warning labels is very scary, it says, this product is known to the state of California to cause cancer and infertility and you know have you grow a second head. <laughs> um, they, that if it has that warning, it means that it has toxicity in it. It actually means that the company legally is trying to cover themselves so they don't get sued. Um, so that's what it's about. So it's not, we don't use Prop 65 warning labels because we test all of our products and we're confident that they're all within the, the safe range. But a lot of companies, like especially chocolate companies, the danger is so high in chocolate that you might have an odd lot here or there that goes up too high. And the fines are huge. It's like $2,000 per day per transaction that you sold that product to someone in California that, that w- they exposed them to that toxin. So it, it's an unbelievable fine. And so you, like if you walk into Whole Foods um, and you look in, in the corner on their window, they'll have a Prop 65 warning label for the entire store. That's, that's absolutely insane. Yeah. Pete's Coffee has it for the entire store. So, um, so Prop 65 warning labels are not as useful as what the uh, people who put that together thought they would be. So where, I mean, you, you have mentioned it a couple of times, um, but just to really drive it home and reiterate, how can people help stay informed, help what you're trying to do expand, not just to support Zigo, but like really take off? Um, there's so much that is easy to do. So depending on where you spend your time, right? So one of the best things that I love is LinkedIn is such a great place to influence an industry, right? And a lot of us are on there for professional reasons for this, that, or the other. Um, I personally, Colin Kavanaugh, you can find me through Zigo, uh, post all of my insider info on LinkedIn because that's where I influence the industry. The more likes, shares, and comments we have on those, the more they travel, the more the industry leaders are seeing it. And it's a small universe of people in this kind of better for you category of food, actually, even though it seems like a totally saturated market. Um, there's a, a more smaller defined number of leaders. The more that we see that information traveling, the better. I, the, the, again, on the chocolate with child slavery, I did a post on that and I, we got a thousand views. Like it, just, it took off. Um, and people were really caring. They, they actually, they didn't know. They were in the industry and they didn't know. It's new information. Like across the board, you're asking questions that no one even knew to really ask. Yeah. And I'm willing to talk about it. A lot of other people, like if they have big companies, um, they're nervous. They don't want to talk about this. Just stuff. in case. Right? Just in case they Just make a boo-boo. Case. Yeah. And they don't want to share with you their testing information because what if somebody gets a hold of it and sues you because of one thing or another? They're really scared. And they don't want me talking about it. Like they, they really don't. Do you get like strong people trying to strong arm you? And uh, no, I should no, I do not mean Good. to to <laughs> indicate that. But um, I definitely have other companies kind of sitting back and looking at me askew. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I'm going to watch you and see if people are going to if this is going to pick up. But I don't want to do that. I was talking to the manufacturer of a major company, major bar company. I won't say who it was. Really, really nice person. And I was explaining what we do. I kind of, I kind of teased him on LinkedIn to coming over to visiting our booth. And I told him the story about our cinnamon in our bars. I said, you know, we found out that we were passing along glyphosate residue and, you know, it was make, it, it can make people sick. And his eyes teared up and he said, that would break my heart if I knew that I was passing along toxic residue to my customers. And I looked at him and I said, you know, you've been using GMO soy protein bit in your bars for two decades. And like, it never dawned on him that, that never thought of it. Wow. So, and and I said, look, if your team wants to go down this path, I can help you do it in a safe way. Cause he can't go back and test his old stuff. Cause then he's liable. The California prop 65 laws say, once you know, you're liable for it. If you don't know, you're not. So it actually discourages you from testing. Oh my God. Because then you know. 
So I said, don't test anything behind you. Reach out to your suppliers and tell them that in, I don't know, three years, four years, whatever it is, you are going to require clean testing from them before you'll buy. You have to give them time to clean up and regenerate their soil and change their growing practices. Like you're so big, you can't just snap your fingers. You can't just change your suppliers. Um, you've got to work with your farmers, but give them a deadline. Like set, now you know, you, you're not faulted for not knowing. Well, kind of, I don't know. Like you've been in the food industry that long, you don't know. Um, so maybe I shouldn't let them off the hook. Um, but, but then, and, and we emailed for a little bit afterwards and then it definitely just died off. He's no longer interested. Um, oh, he saw how much it would cost or the hassle. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what they ended up doing, but I was like, look, I'm an advocate hard. I'm happy to help you on this and give you guidance and all that. But, but we do, we want, we want the, cons- that's why we need the consumers, right? Uh, little old Zigo, we can show the way, but we cannot uh, sh- show that it's actually in demand, which is what we done. It's great because it doesn't seem like you guys are stopping even remote remotely. As soon as someone tries to silence you or flip the script, you know they're done for. There, you, there's no, there's no positioning where this wouldn't go somewhere because no one's going to argue that ingesting heavy metals as a baseline. I mean, there's plenty of other. Yeah, yeah. no one's going to say like, oh no, that's okay. That's crazy. Right. Right. Well, and even if they say to me something so like, you're right, heavy metals is obvious. Um, glyphosate, uh, there are people who will argue that it, you can have lots of it and it doesn't harm you. Um, I don't think that the science supports that. But when they say that, I said, great, our stuff is delicious. And, you know, if that's okay, if you don't think that glyphosate matters, some of your customers do, just let them know. Yeah. Let your customer make the choice. You don't make the choice for them. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Right. So anyway, you were, you were asking about other ways for people to be involved. So there's um, quite a few people who are now coming together, not literally together, but, you know, sort of the universe of the little circles are starting to come together, people working on this. So um, there is uh, uh, Heal Thyself, which is a podcast, Dr. Christian Gonzalez. um, He is doing um, something called the Swell Store, where he's providing products that he's seen the testing on that he knows are safe. A lot of protein powder information on there too. Um, there's the detox project, um, the clean label project, uh, of course, environmental working group. Now, no one's perfect in this space and neither is ego. So that's the important thing to know. So there's some things like I get frustrated, um, with the lack of transparency around some of the testing, because some of these nonprofits are really scared about getting sued for, um, it's a tortious interference. So it's interference in the company's ability to sell their product. Oh. Like, yeah, that's a thing. I didn't even, th- I didn't even, th- damn. Yeah. Which is why I cannot as ego test other competitors products and give the information to you. I'll be sued. If I do that, I can't even say to my friend who runs a nonprofit, you know, there's a problem in the protein powder industry. You should really think about investigating that. I will still be sued for even saying it. Oh my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? No wonder it's been so long for that's terrifying too. I know. Even if you say the wrong thing in Pat, that almost doesn't seem fair. I know. I know. It's super crazy. That's why we want the consumers to be super, super powerful, right? So I can do what I can do from my corner. Um, the nonprofits with their testing and how they report it can do what they want to do or not or what they can do. Um, we can't rely on the politics at all. We we are yeah. actually going to try to push the politics, right? So here's an interesting factoid for you. Um, when I was working on Capitol Hill, I was talking to a congressman who I wanted to introduce a bill to uh, limit what you could purchase with food stamps. And this was a very sugar-focused limit. So it was like mm-hmm. candy. So it wasn't even candy. It was soda and maybe like hard candy, like things that like yeah. literally were just sugar, right? There's That's no value. Drinks, you know. No value at all, right? And they can buy that with their own money, right? It was just, what are we going to subsidize, right? What are we going to get? And it's a nutrition program. And he was retiring. And I, and I said, you know, what, you're retiring. Why would you just introduce this bill before you go? Like, I just want to get it on the books. And he said, here's the deal. Every presidential candidate, not president, presidential candidate since Kennedy has been, had their picture taken with the C&H sugar company owners on their yacht. Oh my God. He said, I cannot 
stick, put a stick in the eye of my colleagues as I'm walking out the door and force them to make a vote between the health of children and their major But that's donors. the best time to, to stick them in the eye. I know. That's what I thought too. He disagreed. I tried. I really, really tried. I really uh, tried. That's, um, I mean, something's got to get, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what, what the damn that, that is that crazy. Well, it goes, I'm speechless. Yeah. So again, like, let's be empowered. Let's not be like, oh my gosh, that's so awful. Everything's yeah. awful. It's not. So that is just an example of why we cannot count on our government to come up with policies to clean up the food system, right? We have to push it. And if they are, are they are doing some things. It's not that they're not doing anything. It's just that they're small and they're not moving the needle. So um, it, it's got to be consumers demanding it. Let's do that trans fat butter switch, right? Let's create that gluten-free industry overnight, right? I mean, 10 years ago, there was like nothing. I've been gluten-free since I was 15. I ate rice cakes for 20 years, you know, like <laughs> that industry popped up overnight. So let's do that with this toxicity piece. And let's, let's come together to inspire these changes just by asking for them from the brand send your email, right? Because there's not other companies doing what we're doing. We need you to email the companies. Just go in your pantry, look at the five things you eat the most. Sit down, take 15 minutes to send five emails, copy and paste it. Would you please do this, you know, and and, and, and then walk away knowing that you actually did something really significant and it only took you 15 minutes. It's huge. And simple, not overly complicated. That's another, oh my God. No, it fits into your lifestyle, right? well, and it can be a great lesson. Like if you have kids and you want to sit down and explain to them, like, what does it mean to be active and trying to make change? Um, I, and I know like with my kids, um, I have teenagers and, you know, we, uh, we, we, we live in San Francisco, so very liberal. And so um, we always joke that we're going to have the woke contest at dinner, right? Like who could be more woke? Like, no, I'm more sensitive than you. No, I'm more sensitive than you. This is what I, you know. And then I'll say to them, and like, these are valid conversations, right? These are serious issues and, and people who have had injustices for a long time. And I always think it's important to say to them, okay, so what is the thing you did today to change things? Other than becoming more knowledgeable about problems, what did you actually do in any tiny way to move the needle? And it's so easy to then say, okay, nothing. Let's sit down and let's write an email to a manufacturer, right? You could do so, one thing. One thing, right? And if, you, if you're whatever community you're passion, passionate about. So I started wanting to help out low-income kids, right? That was my focus. Anything that I do to clean up the food system benefits them the most because they live in the communities that have the most toxic food. So anything I do is going to help them. Uh, but it's, it's so, it's so tangible. There are so many things that aren't tangible that we can change like this. This is something we actually can change like quick, we can do it. So let's, let's go, let's do it. And it's so graspable too. I, I love all of this. It's amazing. It's also interesting to see, you know, someone blazing the trail for it. Um, you know, let's, I, we, we got a little bit dark at the end, but I would love to end on a high note. What is the best part about running and starting and just being involved in Zigo Foods? Oh my gosh, the best part. Um, or your favorite part? My favorite part is talking to people. Honestly, I'm an extrovert at heart. Yeah. And I love food shows. Yes. Oh my gosh, if I could go to food shows, maybe not every day that it's a little bit much even for me, but like, I, I long for that. We have not had a food show in a year. It was the food show, our big expo West food show last year that where everything was canceled and shut down. We actually had our booth halfway set up and had to take it down. Uh, and I miss that. I gain so much energy from being around other people and have with Zigo, you know, I've attracted, I don't, oh, wait, that's the wrong way to say that. Um, because of what Zigo stands for and what we do, the people who are attracted to us are the people I want to be with, right? They are people who are trying to be intentional about their lives. They're trying to help other people. Like our influencers, they're not just trying to be healthy. They're actually trying to tell you, this is how I became healthy. And it might be helpful for you to know that because you might be able to get better too. Like how awesome is that? Yes. It's sharing something you believe in and believing in something in the first place. It's having that passion, actually caring. Whatever, however you want to call it, that is the key to, in my eyes, to success, even because it ends up being a vague thing that 
if you believe in it and actually like will go out of your way to share that excitement, that's the best part. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's great. And I, I, I love, well, I'm just going to say the same thing again, because I really love it so much. Go There's so it, much yeah. about running a food company. That's really rough, you know? Um, and it's hard for me or anyone in the food industry to explain just how difficult and how stressful our days are. I mean, just imagine you're, you're not just making a widget, you're making a widget that can, if it's bad, it can make people sick. It can expire. It could like, like, there's so many things that can go wrong. Like, so, um, you really have to have passion to do it. I, I can't imagine. I talked to a guy who started a popcorn company. And he was, so he's like, oh, you got to make one thing. You got to make it in two flavors and sell it to everybody. And then you sell the company. And I was like, well, that's just a business model. I mean, <laughs> I'm in this to change the world. Like, I didn't know you were in this or just the money. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Then it becomes hollow. It, yeah. And there, plus there's a million one popcorn companies. It, yeah. Yeah. I will say he did end up making a ton of money, but (laughs) it's not that it doesn't work. It's just not like I never would have gotten through COVID with all the changes, you know, had I not had a company that I cared so passionately about and I felt so committed to the vision of what we're doing. Uh, But it's the community. That's it. That's in a word. It's the community. That's what I love about this company. That's amazing. Well, it looks like our time is is running, coming to an end. Colleen, thanks so much for, for joining us. For anyone listening, who I know we've mentioned this a couple of times, but for anyone who wants to learn more about Zigo and what you guys are trying to do, where can they check you out? So check us out on our website, zigofoods.com. Um, we're on all the social media platforms. We're at Zigo Foods. And please do follow me on LinkedIn um, and you know comment and share those articles that I publish about changes that need to be done in the food industry so that with another great like just like emailing company is another great way of voting without having to put a dollar in right so whether you you buy Zego products which I hope you do or not um, you can still vote with your fingers by you know commenting and supporting on things like LinkedIn and being part be part of the thought leadership that brings us to the place we all want to be. Awesome. Terrific. Colleen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.